The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. So first, welcome everybody to the Multiplication Seminar. So if you're here by accident, I promise it's not going to be that bad, so you can stay, okay? Um, And if you're here intentionally, I just want you to know that I'm super encouraged by you. I think it has a lot to say already about who you are and what you're trusting God to do in and through you. So I want you to know that I'm trusting God with you myself, okay? And so just a little bit about me first. Uh, My name is Jessica Salinas, and I've been on staff for almost eight years. Four of those years have been in Chicago, so um, it's been really fun. And I am married to this man, which explains my last name a little bit. Um, And so that means I'm married into this beautiful Mexican and Puerto Rican culture. And my husband is absolutely the best. He's right here. Um, So if you have any complaints about this time or any concerns, um, he's also on staff with me. So you can email jonathan.salinas at campusoutreach.org, okay? Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, But how about this? Will you guys pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we, um, we come to you and we just praise you for... Just getting to be here at a conference, God, I am still just overwhelmed at an opportunity where we could gather together um, and just worship you and know you, God. It feels like forever to be in, in such a big setting, and so I'm so grateful. God, I praise you that we just get to be here in this um, time right now. Lord, you have got to be present. God, I pray for um, just this seminar, God, for for the multiplication topic, that God, you would speak, that Holy Spirit, you would be the mouthpiece, God, the Lord, that ultimately you would be glorified. So say what you want to say, Lord. And I pray for um, just our hearts that you would prepare us, um, and for my heart itself, that I would be obedient, Father. It's in your name, amen. All right, thanks for praying with me. Um, but let me ask you a question. Do you believe that a story can change the world? That a promise can leave a lasting impact upon one person, entire families, and future generations? That God uses ordinary people to take the extraordinary story of Christ into all the world? So today I'm going to tell you about a story on multiplication. And I'm going to take you through what the Bible has to say about it. And I'm going to give you some practical steps on how you can multiply yourself. Um, but first, the way I normally teach, it only works if you like interact with me, okay? So I'm going to ask a couple questions. I know if you were in here for this last seminar, it might be a little similar. Tony's my boss, so I'm kind of similar. Uh, but he asked you a question. When you look at the world, what breaks your heart? And so I want to ask you that same question. You might have wrote it down. Um, but if you can, when you think of this, what are some of the things that break your heart when you look at the world? What are they? I want to know. Stand up and tell me. What are some of the things that break your heart when you look at the world? Go ahead and give it to me. Homelessness. Homelessness? What else? People not being uh, accepted for who they are. Yeah. Okay. What else? Extreme poverty. Poverty? Yeah. Abuse. Abuse. 
Divorce. Racism. Racism. Fatal illness in children. Yeah, fatal illness in children. Gun violence. Gun violence. Yeah, there's like, so listen, there's a lot of things that are not right. When you look at the world, you see that there's clearly a problem with it. It's not functioning in its original design in which God created it. Um, there's a lot, a lot of pain. There's a lot of things that need healing. It's like we're driving a car that's been wrecked. And I'm so sorry if you have a similar car. Um, but it's like we're driving this car that's been wrecked, and it needs a whole new engine. But we out here just trying to patch it up, putting tape on the windows and on the headlights, you know, bandaging up the doors. This has been real for me in my life in the past with my car. So I don't know if you feel this. I had my license plate, like, taped on my car forever because I kept getting tickets by Chicago. And I didn't have a drill to drill it in. But anyway, we're out here just driving this patched up car. And sometimes it runs, but we're not fixing the real issue at hand. It's not the brand new car that it was originally created to be. And I would say that's the same case with our world. God didn't create it with just all this pain. What happened was sin penetrated the world, and it's, it's not working as it should. And we're out here, we're doing good things. We're doing good things, but we're not seeing lasting healing. We're not seeing real change. And so let me break this down to you. Um, here's a couple statistics about what's wrong with our world. Around 80,000 people a year are taken away from their homes and placed into human trafficking. 80,000 people. Within the past four years, 2,100 children, no, 2,100 children were separated from their families at the border and they have not been reunited. Over 400 million children are living on their own around the world. And if you break that math down, that means that every two seconds, a child is orphaned. And those are just some of the problems that exist. I didn't even mention statistics on abuse, education, discrimination, prejudice, cancer, suicide, the things that you mentioned that hurt your heart. And all these things hurt. They hurt their problems. And what about the issues that, that exist in other countries that we tend to not think about? Right now on my campus in Chicago, there are students who are praying for peace in their homeland. They're praying for protections for their family. And they came here because they wanted to provide a better life. And so let's take it into your world now, okay? We're going to take it into your world. Think about your college campus. What are some things that break your heart when you think of your college campus? No, don't you talk to me. Stand up. What do you got it? Drug addiction? Suicide. Suicide? Anxiety. Anxiety? Depression. Depression? Yeah. Sexual abuse. Sexual abuse? That's huge. Right. Um, just think of this for a second. Do you, do you know of the problems that a first-generation college student faces? How they're simply there having no idea what to do and just trying to survive and pass through the demands of college life. They had no one to teach them. Or what about the girl who had a, another one-night stand at the frat house? She didn't mean to. She just got wrapped up into that cycle because that's where she's finding her um, to be included, her satisfaction, right? 
Or what about the guy who silently cuts himself? Because, I have no more room, because he cannot deal with the pain anymore of being lonely. Or what about the girl who is continually getting blacked out, getting blacked out with the use of drugs and alcohol, and the only reason they're doing it is because they're tired of dealing with the trauma from the um, origins of their family. Does that make sense? You might say, like, oh, that don't apply to me. I don't know people like that in my world. Well, what about this? What about the girl on campus who is spreading herself out way too thin? She's addicted to every single leadership opportunity that comes available to her. She's doing everything, heavy load. She's not sleeping at night. She's not eating. She's doing it all. She wants to be successful if it means the cost of her health. So these things, unfortunately, do exist. And working at universities for so long, I've seen that, man, these problems are just way too common. They're way too common. Um, And if that doesn't make you sad, let me tell you about this. Did you know that on the average college campus, only 5% of people follow Christ? So this statistic is true. That means on your college campus, 19 out of the 20,000 college students that you're going to class with, 19 out of the 20,000 do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's safe to say that every student on our campus, they're hurting, they're broken, they're wandering through life without any direction or protection from Christ. And to be blunt, if nothing changes, they're headed for disaster in this life and the next. But guys, there is good news. There is good news. Jesus sees every student on your campus. He sees their secret sins. He sees their thoughts. He sees their pain. He sees their struggles. And friends, um, we have a story to tell. The gospel is the greatest story. Um, God, he saw those students, and thus he saw you. And he wanted to do something about it. So he sent his son into the world. He crafted this remarkable plan by sending them into the world to take on human flesh and to do what we cannot. He atoned for our sins. He was the sacrifice for our payment. He was the substitution for our place. And he died. And with the power within him, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he ascended at the right hand of the Father. And God's son, Jesus Christ, he's going to come again one day. So guys, I want to invite you into multiplication. Into taking the story of Jesus Christ and giving it to another. I want to invite you into leaving a lasting legacy. One that has the potential to change one person, families, and entire generations. That, that can impact the story of the gospel. That can impact the things that you care about most. And I want you to do that through multiplication. So first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you uh, what the Bible has to say about multiplication. Multiplication has been God's method of telling this grand story. Well, I'm going to walk you through um, just a little bit, but the Bible is just full of multiplication stories, okay? Um, but just briefly, and we, we'll, you'll see them every day. So multiplication was God's design at creation. Will you read this for me? You got it. <laughs> And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and 
subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Okay, thank you so much. So first, it was God's design at creation. So in the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and his intention was to create all these little image bearers who would um, show his glory and be his glory on the world. And so his intention was not for Adam and Eve to have just thousands of babies. They probably wouldn't fill the earth with a thousand babies, right? He wanted them to have babies who would have babies and who would have babies. He said, hey, go multiply. Meaning your babies have babies and they have babies. And so at the very, very beginning, it was God's design to see multiplication. Okay, what about this second one? Multiplication is central in God's covenant with Abraham. Can you read it for me? After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So after the fall, when um, after the rebellion, Adam and Eve, when they failed, um, God crafted this plan. He told Eve, he said, you're going to have a seed, a promised seed that's going to come from your offspring. And it's going to be this serpent crusher, uh, crusher. So as time went on, evil just kept spiraling out of control. Okay? Violence was, the world was corrupt. The world was corrupt. Read the story. It's like Reddit R. The world was corrupt. And so God, he said, I, I'm going to call Abram. So he called Abram. And through Abram, he gave him this promise. Childless Abram. Abram was super old and he had no children. And he said, hey, I'm going to carry this promise through you. From you, I'm going to create this great nation. Your children are going to have children. And they're going to be more than the stars I can count. So multiplication is central in God's covenant with Abram. And so if you continue to read the Old Testament narratives, you will see how this came into fruition, how um, Abram had a lot of descendants. But you will also see this promise and how this is repeated in Deuteronomy to Moses and Jeremiah and in King David. And you can even trace Abram and and, um, you can see the genealogy of this promised seed, this King Jesus, come to fruition and him being born from this line, from this childless man, right? And we're going to skip to King Jesus in the New Testament real fast. We're going to skip that. So can you read this for me? And said to them, follow me, and I will make you figures of men. So multiplication was modeled by Jesus. So Jesus decided to do his ministry through this process. He called 12 men, and he said, hey, I'm going to share my life with you. And I'm going to teach you how to fish for men, who would fish for men, who would fish for men. And so what this meant is that Jesus just, he shared his life with them. He introduced himself in front of them. He did ministry in front of them. He healed people in front of them. He announced the kingdom that has come in front of them. So Jesus modeled multiplication in front of his disciples. And if that was his method, 
Don't you think it ought to be ours too? So multiplication is driven by Jesus' heart.
this process is going to work. It says it right here that this is what heaven is going to be like one day, that people are going to be worshiping him. Okay? And so you're probably asking, okay, I'm convinced. I know I have to multiply. This is what I'm here. Um, I get it. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible has a lot more to say. I really encourage you to read it and, and do your own study of multiplication in the Bible. Um, but how do we multiply? And guys, I, I cannot say that it is clean, that it is super clean. And honestly, I have messed up a lot. I have messed up a whole lot. But I'm going to share this story with you and, and hopefully it will help. Um, but this girl... So her name is Hope, and it's funny, Hope. Well, Hope, she prayed for me before she even knew me. Four months into the faith as a new Christian, four months into the faith as a new Christian, she knew she wanted to share Jesus and that she wanted to make disciples. She saw the love that was given to her story. She saw the redemption offered to her. She saw the hope given to her, and she wanted to reproduce that. So she started praying for me. Well, um, I was assigned to her as her mentee in this leadership program. And so what this meant was that I had, I had to meet with her every week. Like I had to meet with her every week in order to get my money. Um, and so she took that opportunity and she ran with it. She got this little freshman girl. She's like, I've been praying for you. I know I was going to have you. And so she took that opportunity and ran one of our first meetings, she shared her testimony. And I was like, what the crap? This is a scholarship program. And then she, she took, invited her friends into our second meeting. And then sometimes she would invite me to some events for our meetings. And I didn't know there were Bible studies. But she was a little sneaky girl. Like she, she just kept sharing her life with me. She brought me into her world. I met her people. I was in her home. Um, and she shared a lot about what she was learning about God. And guys, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I was struggling, man. And I needed my money, but I had to keep meeting her. I wanted to avoid her. I really tried to avoid her. But how could I? She met my friends, and my friends loved her. And every time I tried to stand her up, I'd be like, man, I got schoolwork. Guess where this girl would show up? She'd show up at my dorm. She'd show up in the architecture studio. She was there. She'd bring me food, and, and she was so loving and so kind. I just really struggled with that life. But she, she just kept pursuing it, and she kept investing, and she never said, Jesse, you're not a Christian. Like, she never did that. She never did that. She only gave me her life. She literally only gave me her life. And that life consisted of a lot of lordship to Jesus Christ. And so eventually I understood, understood everything she was sharing with me, I understood why my life didn't match up to hers why I hated those heart-provoking questions and why she never gave up on me. And it was because I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And what I'm grateful for is that when she saw me, she saw the first-generation college student who was really struggling, was really, really struggling her freshman year. She had no one teach her how to do it, no one go before, and she saw that first-generation college student. She saw the little girl who grew up without a dad and without a mom in the home. She saw that. She learned about the abuse. She knew about the poverty. She heard about the oppression. And she had compassion and she wanted to love me and she wanted to offer healing to me. Same healing that she found. 
And I am so glad that she loved me and that she didn't give up on me. So long story short, Jesus became my everything. In the darkest part of my, my life, my freshman year in college, probably the darkest moment of my life, I remember um, I was questioning everything. I remembered her. How could I not? I saw her every week. And I remembered the things that she shared about me regarding the person of Jesus. And in the moment, that's what I wanted, and that's what I needed. It's like I wanted Jesus to be my righteousness. I wanted to be loved. I'm like, man, in him I could be loved. In him I could have this eternal love, eternal family that I always longed for. I could have this healing. I could have his righteousness. I wouldn't be defined by what just happened to me or all these other things or by my family or by my past. And so that's what I wanted. And so mostly I went and I told her, and I wanted her to disciple me. I wanted her to teach me how to share Jesus also. And, and what's cool is that Hope, she, she not only discipled me, but she became all things to me as she, was, as she was evangelizing me. She became my best friend. She became my mom. She became my sister. And it's fun. She's still in my life today. She just moved to Chicago. Um, and so she became all things to me. And she started teaching me just simple things. She started teaching me how to read my Bible. She started teaching me just how to share my testimony. And she started praying with me. Praying with me for my friends and my family. And what's cool is that the simple things that she taught me, I got to share with my mom. So my mom asked me one day, she was like, hey, why does your life look different? Um, and I got to share with my mom the story of Jesus. And my mom accepted it. She wanted to believe in Jesus, and she wanted to follow Jesus. And then, um, so my mom, she struggles with reading and writing. She didn't get the opportunity to go to junior high or high school. And so uh, she got plugged into a church, and she asked this girl to read the Bible with her and start teaching her. And um, my mom learned how to find her identity in Christ and, and steward herself. And so she ended up having a completely different life. And, and my little brother growing up, he lived a different life than I lived. He got to actually be with my mom, and, and she was in his life. And my little brother professed faith. And then my sister professed faith. And my mom is still in their life and loving them and, and leading them today. And then Hope, she would pray for me. I was in a sorority. She would come over and pray for me for the girls in my sorority, for those I love dearly. She would come and attempt to have a Bible study with me. And we were not in the same sorority either. We were not in the same chapter. Um, and I, I didn't see a lot of fruit. I didn't see a lot of fruit. I'm going to come back to these girls later. I didn't see anybody profess faith. A lot of people never showed up to the Bible study, but man, I just saw what God did in my heart and how he brought me healing and how he changed my family, and I wanted to give that away, and so anyway, I took the job uh, with Campus Outreach, and um, I moved to Arkansas, and I was like, okay, I know I want to make disciples. I want to multiply my life. This is why I'm here, and I, so I met this girl named Jenny, um, and Jenny will be okay with me sharing it. Um, Jenny came into college, and she was just looking for approval and looking for satisfaction, um, she grew up as a child of sex trafficking, and so she was adopted, and, and she was just dealing with a lot of brokenness. And so she came in just looking for a place to be known and to make herself an identity. And so uh, Jenny was in this uh, sorority, and I would try to invest in her, try to hang out with her, and it was really, really hard. But I just kept showing up. At Arkansas, they only had one cafeteria that you could eat at, so it was real easy. So I just kept going to that cafeteria every day. I'm like, hey, Jenny, and sit with her, you know, and, 
And she received me, and then she came to a conference like this, and she ended up professing faith in Jesus, and, and I got to start discipling Jenny. Um, and so we started a Bible study in her chapter, and, um, and we would pray. We would specifically pray for her roommate, who is the girl beside the picture, um, and the other girls, and we would try. Sometimes no one showed up to the Bible study. Sometimes people did, and but we would, we would go together and, and befriend people and, and try to love them and, and try to invite them into our lives. We would definitely go into their lives um, and just share and, and pray together. And then, so Macy Ann is her best friend who, is, um, who was her roommate at the time. And um, man, we tried hard with Macy Ann. Um, we, we, we end up in the cafeteria with Macy Ann be walking to class. We're like, we'll walk with you, you know, walk to class with Macy Ann. Um, it was one day as we were walking to class, uh, Macy Ann, she looked at us because sometimes she would run away from us or come with us. And, and Macy Ann was like, all right, y'all, I want a relationship with Jesus now. And so we got to see Macy Ann profess faith. And then what's cool is I wanted to show you this next picture. Um, so when I got to see my first year there, like seven women profess faith. But what happened was those women started sharing with women who started sharing with women. And so by the time I left, there was, there was people making, multiplying their life in, in other sororities and athletic groups in the dorms. And it was the coolest thing. It was the coolest thing. People caught Christ, and they wanted to share him. But I want to go back to this story. Because we tried doing that when I was in college, right? And no one really came to the Bible study. Didn't see a lot of fruit. Um, but I want to share about these two girls. Um, so this girl's name to the right, her name is also Jenny. <laughs> so um, Jenny, she, she was agnostic at the time. And um, I would, we would share with Jenny our story. We would share gospel with Jenny. She was definitely not interested. She told us she wasn't interested. Uh, we would continue to ask her to come to Bible study. She wouldn't. So I graduated college. And then four years passed when I graduated college. Um, and I got this call from a friend. And they were like, hey, Jesse, guess what? I'm like, what? And they're like, Jenny came to Christ. Jenny came to Christ. I'm like, no way. And a couple of days later, I got a text from Jenny. And she's saying that she's following Jesus now. And she actually ended up becoming a missionary in Kazakhstan. So it's so cool. And this girl um, to the left of her is Huda. So Huda, um, she was Hindu. And I would meet with Huda. Um, she was my twin sister in the sorority. So we got to be around each other a lot. And I just share, hope we share. We would always just try to be near and love her and share. She never came to Bible study. She wasn't interested at all. But it was a couple years. I was like six years later, a couple years after I received the phone call from Jenny. And Huda, um, I got this long, long, like you ever get these text messages that you have to open up in a note because it's like so big? And I got this long message from Huda. And she was like, Jesse, even though I hated what you did and I sometimes didn't like you because of what you did, she's like, I just want you to know that I believe in Jesus now and I'm going to tell my family. It was crazy. Someone else led her to Christ. And so I just wanted to show you that because although multiplication is hard and you may not see instant results, uh, I didn't get the opportunity to disciple these women. But I know that it wasn't in vain. And then today, today, Huda is married to a godly man, and she's plugged into the church, and she's being discipled, and she's trying to disciple people. Jenny definitely is living her life and giving it away from God. Multiplication works. And so there's just some key steps that I want you to take from that story. 
And the first is pray. They just pray. Hope prayed for me before she even knew me, and I am so glad she did because I would not be here if she didn't, I don't think. My mom's life wouldn't be different. My little brother, you know, she didn't know the impact she was going to have. And then what's even cool is, um, like, you know, in Jenny, we prayed and we got to see Macy Ann. Some of these girls ended up moving to China. Um, they got to multiply their lives in Johannesburg. Many of them are in Memphis, and, and, and they're just giving their lives away. And even today, I still see that same line of multiplication going at that campus. So just pray. Hope prayed for me before she even knew me. And so my challenge for you is to pray with those who disciple you or who you disciple. Pray with them. Pray for their friends. Pray for their family. Two is choose a pocket of people. I was given to hope in the scholarship program. We had to invest a lot of time in that program, and it was a lot of people. And so she was like, this is where I'm going to make disciples. Maybe it's your sorority. Maybe it's your dorm floor. Maybe it's that one cafeteria on your campus. I don't know. Maybe it's your athletic team, but choose a pocket of people and go with those who disciple you or those that you're discipling. I think three, follow up. Hope kept following up and following up and following up with me. We got to follow up with Macy Ann and we got to see um, that just continue to grow into fruition. So just follow up, follow up with those who profess it. Walk through them, what happened and what could be next. Next is just keep it simple, keep it simple. You know what Hope taught me? She taught me how to read my Bible, and she taught me how to share my story, and she taught me how to pray. That's when I went on staff, I knew those three things. <laughs> I knew those three things. So just keep it simple, because keeping it simple is reproducible. And then the next one is pray again. Pray that those who you see come to Christ, or those that you're discipling, would make disciples, that God would send them someone they can disciple and I want you to show you some things to remember. That it is not by accident. That it has to be intentionally pursued. Um, and so what I mean by this is that I am just, I avoided hope. I avoided hope. I avoided her a lot. Yet she kept coming to me. With, um, with Macy Ann, me and Jenny, we just kept... We're going to be in the cafeteria at this time. We're going to walk Macy in the campus. Okay, we're going to be in your sorority house at this time. So it was intentionally pursued, right? Um, so it's not by accident. Be strategic. Two, I will argue that there's no discipleship without evangelizing, without evangelism. And so um, I wasn't a Christian, and hope shared with me. I was actually really rude to her. But she kept sharing with me. Um, and, and I'm saying for you, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to evangelize to those who don't know it. I hated it, but I'm so grateful that hope evangelized me. So there's no discipleship without evangelism. Third, it takes time. Um, it took many, many years for Huda to come to Christ. I invested four and I didn't see nothing. And then um, someone else came in there and kept investing, and she ended up professing faith. So it takes time. Don't give up. And the last one is keep going. 
Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up because I promise it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. And so I want to, um, yeah, I'm going to leave you with this really fast. Has anyone heard of uh, the musical Hamilton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's so good. I'm sure you have. So basically, um, this musical is based on this young immigrant who wants to make a name for himself in U.S. history. Uh, though he faced many obstacles and challenges, he continued sowing to this idea of creating this, this central banking system. And he faced a lot of hardships. Um, and this banking system that he created, it wasn't necessarily meant to last. Um, after 20 years of operation, it ended up closing. And, and then from that, it laid this foundation for the National Bank, um, which then laid the foundation for the establishment of the Federal Reserve System. Um, but what I meant by this story, and it's not trying to talk politics or history about banks and money that I don't know about, um, but Hamilton... He didn't become famous until someone else started telling his story. And so, after his death, um, and with years past, and, and seeing the fruit of his labor, uh, what's his story told? And so what I want to invite you into is that the gospel is the greatest story. If you were at the evangelism talk, you heard Tony's, like, that was amazing, right? The things you care about, the things we listed, like, man, there can be impact there with the gospel. Those you love, it is the greatest story to be told. And so let's tell the gospel. Let's tell the story um, to others who will come to know him from centuries to come, okay? So that's all I have for you. I wanted to do this because multiplication is a little um, intense. So I have this great team that I work with. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have... Um, my teammates come up here, and they're going to be a part of a panel that you can ask questions to. They're a lot better at this multiplication thing than I am. I've seen them do a lot of lasting fruit. So if, like, Grace and Lauren and Mike and John, if you guys want to come up here real fast. Okay, so this is a Q&A. I want you to pick their brains, okay? Yeah, you can just stay. Can you sit just stand? Okay. <laughs> Alright, y'all have any questions? What was like your first encounter encounter with God and like um how did it impact you? It's a great question, Stephanie. <laughs> For those that didn't hear if she asked, what was your first encounter with God and how did that impact you?
my life because of this difference. Um, any other questions on multiplication? Uh, I guess my question is, what is um, something that um, I don't know, something that you do or say or approach um, a conversation with someone that wants nothing to do with you? Um, you just keep hanging out with them, and they just don't want to see your face ever. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, yeah, how do you go about like a relationship like that or a conversation with these kind of people? I'm gonna let somebody else answer that in a minute. But I would say this. What, one thing is, is um, find out about them and who they are. What are their interests? What do they love? Um, even if, if it's like, if there's someone that, I don't know, we don't connect that well, but I know they love hiking. I hate hiking. My wife loves hiking, and so I went hiking to, you know, you know, get with her, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, like, to be able to, to connect with someone, like, like, like a guy or whatever, like, I want to do what they love to do, and I think things will roll from there. That's a simple one that I remember. Yeah, I'd only add, like, similar to that, and it's the cliche saying that you've probably heard before, like, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think there's some truth to that in regards to, like, if there's someone like that where you're like, man, I really want to share my faith with this person. Um, like John said, you need to be a good question asker. You need to get to know them. So if your approach is just like, I see you as a project and I'm going to just like find you and make sure I'm sharing this with you. It's like, that's good and you can pray for that. But I loved what Jesse was sharing about hope. Like hope cared for Jesse. She found out her story. She learned about her life, her family, her friends, what she cared about, where her heart was at. And so it's like once she got there with Jesse and she knew Jesse's heart longings, then when their friendship was in that place, she was still sharing the gospel with her, but it was like, it took that time. And so I think for me, my approach often is I have had to grow into being way better of a question asker. I think when I first started trying to multiply my faith, it was just like, I found someone, I'm just going to share with them, I'm really going to try to get, and it was just kind of like the person I think, sometimes it was great and they wanted to hear more, but a lot of the time... What needed to happen was I needed to ask good questions, find out who they are, find out what their heart longings were, like what was the thing that they were longing for, and then being able to share the gospel story into that that was going on in their life. But if you don't ask questions to the person, you're not going to know how to share the gospel with them, if that makes sense. So that would be what I would say. And I'll just add this. So if you're asking about someone who literally doesn't want to talk to you, and you block them in, getting on their nerves, badgering them kind of thing. I feel like there is a line as well. Um, I know the gospel is so important. I know that we love Jesus and we want people to know. But at the same token, I think prayer works well. Sometimes you need to respect people's boundaries. Sometimes when they, you know, tell you, hey, like, I'm good on this, um, you can use wisdom. But I do think there, um, a lot of times we, we downplay the power of prayer. Sometimes... God is telling you to take a step back and, like Jesse's talking about, wait to see what he does. Because I think the last thing that we want to do is take um, the gospel and, um, you know, beat somebody over the head with it and kind of sour their experience. So if someone is, feeling like, verbally expressing to you, hey, stop, like, stop following me around campus, you know, like, stop. I mean, it's not a good look for anybody in this room, you know what I'm saying? Um, but if 
there's someone who you have a relationship with, and you know they might not really care about the gospel, but they care about you and you care about them, I think that is 100% appropriate. Be in their life, get to know them, log on them because they're a human being, um, but also boundaries are important. Is there any scripture that you guys find like particularly encouraging, um, or just I don't know, for when you're unsure or um, like doubting or discouraged? I think of, um, and I'm blanking on the particular passage, um, but as Jesus sends out his disciples, as he sends them out into the world, he reminds them. Uh, that the world has rejected him. Um, and so as we go out and share Christ, like there's a reality of people will reject Christ. And I think the hardest thing in evangelism for me is that rejection. Uh, you know, I'm a person. I don't like being rejected. Um, and so when people don't accept that, it feels like a personal rejection oftentimes. And so um, that's something I constantly have to remind myself of. Um, and friendships and evangelism, like when I'm going out just talking with random people, it's like, man, anytime you're, you feel like someone is rejecting you, it's hard. Um, and I'll look it up here in a second and remind you, but that Jesus constantly reminds his disciples that, man, the world has rejected Jesus. And when we go out and share with Jesus with others, we're going to be rejected from time to time. And it's not us, they're rejecting Jesus. And so that's just a good reminder um, not to take those things personally on yourself, um, but just to be reminded that, that they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. So, the, a lot of us have heard about the Great Commission, um, and, it, and it ends with, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. And um, I'm not saying it's profound, but Fran, uh, Francis Chan is the one who said it, but he's like, have you ever just experienced that whenever you just share the gospel, you're just experiencing Jesus? Like, there's a reality that Jesus is with you as you are sharing the gospel. And that's encouraging to me. Like, that he is there, he is present. It's his message, um, and I mean, that's everywhere, so. Okay, anyway, I have time for one more question. Is anybody? Oh, okay. Um, for people who graduate and don't go into ministry, how do you recommend finding a pocket of people to choose to start sharing your faith besides like in your church and getting comfortable with your own Christian community and outside of work. Yeah. Luke ten sixteen. <laughs> There's other places, but that's a good start. That's a great question though. You're saying outside of work? Yeah, just like different outside ideas. of ministry. If you outside of ministry. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I would say is, what do you enjoy? Where do you feel comfortable? where are you going to create relationships? Um, so, like, God has created us all unique. He's given us all things. Like, for example, I love sports. I was an athlete all growing up. I love playing sports. I love competition. So I'm not going to go and try to learn music to reach people. I'm horrible at music. You don't want to hear me play an instrument. You don't want to hear me sing. I'm not going to go try to meet people musically. But I'm, I've been gifted athletically. God has given me a desire to be in athletics. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to find people there that I get along with, that I love, that I care about. Um, and so I think look at yourself. What are your strengths? What do you like to do? Um, what are your hobbies? <laughs> and then go find people that like the same thing as you. Um, and that's just a great opportunity for you to meet people um, and get to know people that way. So. One, I would say, 
share, with, share at your work, or you know, build relationships with people at your job and outside of company time during lunch. Like, share with them about yourself. And if you love Jesus, you're gonna share about them, um, about Him to them. And then also, I mean, you go places. I mean, I have to go to the barbershop, and I was at the barbershop literally yesterday, or two days ago, and I was like, it's just me and him at this point, so I'm not supposed to start talking. And so, I mean, this is not me on the college campus. This is not me with some college students. This is me with some, some barber. And he's talking about girls, but talking about them another way. And then he started asking me after I'm sharing my story about how does he get plugged in into a community like mine. When, you know, so it is like from, from O's to holiness is what I call it. But uh, I didn't want to say the real word. I said O's. I said O's, okay? I'll give, give you an idea of what he was talking about. Yeah, I think I'd say similarly, find your hobbies, like Mike said, things that you're excited about, and purposefully join things like that that might not be, just like, don't, it's good to have a Christians around you, right, but if that is your only pocket of people, then you need to be putting yourself in situations in sports and a music club where you're meeting people who aren't Christians, but similar to John, I would say, like, the plague of our generation, right, is that any time we have downtime, we're on our phone, like, whether it's the line, standing in line at the grocery store, like you're at an airport, anything. Like we always are trying to fill our time with just like, eh, I don't want to talk to anybody. And so I think I would just challenge you, like create one thing that I started doing in college that was helpful is I started praying through my day. Where was I walking to? Where was I walking? Like where did I know I was going to go? Where did I know I'd probably be standing in line? And just pray. Like God, in the line at Brownstones was the name of the coffee shop at my university. I was like, Lord, I know I'm going to go to Brownstones today, maybe provide somebody that I could talk to in my line. And it's like crazy how much the Lord will provide those things when you're thinking about it. Like when you've prayed about it, and then you're going about your day, and you're thinking about it when you're in line, it's like, oh yeah, I prayed for this earlier today. And then someone turns around to you, and it's like, what did you, what are you going to order? You're like, this is my chance. Like, I can make a friend, or I can like talk to somebody. And so I think just be intentional about praying over your day. Like, what are the pockets of my day that I'm going to run into non-believers? And like, ask the Lord, like, provide somebody for me to talk to, and sometimes it'll be great, sometimes it won't, but like John said, you have those pockets of time, but sometimes we just fill them with our phones, and then we're not aware of where God might be asking us to share or meet somebody new, so. I had these people up here because they are the real MVPs uh, that I've met in my life, so thanks Mike, Grace, John, Lauren. Um, I do have a place for you, though. It's called, have you heard of this post-Christian city called, um, Chicago? Um, you come with me, girl. <laughs> you be my neighbor. Uh, but guys, seriously, thanks for coming. I'm super encouraged by you. I hope you enjoy the conference. I'm going to pray for you before you leave, okay? Um, so God, I pray that you would help us multiply our life, God. Um, that you would help us share the story of Jesus Christ. And invite people into our lives who would also invite people into their lives and share the story. God, would you give us someone we could disciple and love? And God, would you give them someone they could disciple and love? But Father, mostly would you just help us worship you in this endeavor? Because we know it's going to work. And we know your kingdom's going to come. And so we praise you, Father. And it's in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.